Well, like I said, if you haven't yet, take your copy of God's Word, make your way to Hebrews chapter 3, where we're starting in verse 7. Last week, we heard an excellent message on the first six verses of this chapter, where the writer was compelling the people of God to keep their focused on Christ Himself. There are, there are so many distractions that come in and compete for our affections and our attention. And he was simply saying, consider Jesus. Remember Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus to hold you fast during this thing called life. We're going to pick it up uh, reading at verse 7 this morning. And I want to mention... Um, The whole framework of thought here goes actually into the next chapter. So we're going to read because it's all the same, the same thought. We're going to read to the end of uh, verse 13 in chapter 4. So stick with me through it, and I believe the Lord will encourage and strengthen us as we see what it is and hear, Lord willing, what it is He desires to say to us this morning. Hebrews 3, verse 7. This is the holy, inspired, authoritative word of the Lord. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for forty years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation. And they said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in you any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was He provoked for forty years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, and the words already quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. 
For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Verse 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. So that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit. Of joints and marrow. And discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him. To whom we must give account. Father, we pray that as we attend to Your Word now, Lord, give us ears to hear You. You say it so many times in this one passage. Today, if you hear His voice, well, Lord, we just heard Your voice. Attune our hearts to Your Word today because You have good things You want to give to us. You want to give us life. You want to give us rest. And so, Lord, please, now, for these next few minutes, attune our heart to Your Word. May we listen. May we respond. May we gain life through Your perfect and holy Word. Lord, we pray this together. And all God's people said, Amen. May it be so. May it be so. If you were to count the words... Uh, the number of times that the author uses the word rest in what we just read, you would hear the word rest be recited uh, 12 times. So what I do as a pastor when I'm reading a passage of Scripture in preparation to proclaim it on Sunday, what I do is I print it out on a piece of paper and I circle and I draw arrows and graphs and charts and all kinds of things to make sure that I'm understanding what the text says. And when I when I started circling things in this passage, it's like rest, 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 rest. It's all over. Rest is the major theme of this text. Now, the travel industry in the world around us Right, The travel industry knows that every person on the planet craves rest. So they spend millions and millions of dollars every year advertising and communicating about the promise of rest. Uh, they, they promise things like this, that if you'll just come away to the islands of Aruba... If you embark on a Viking cruise down the Seine River, if you take a train through the vistas of Alaska, there is the promise of rest in those experiences. And uh, when we go, they often are delightful to experience, but what it doesn't deliver on its promise is rest. Why? Well, because you can be sitting with your toes in the sand of some Aruban experience sitting on the, on the beach in your chair with the, the, the blue-green waters ahead and, and still not have rest in your heart. How is that possible? It's possible because it's hard for us to escape the things that so overwhelm our hearts and our minds at times, isn't it? It doesn't matter our location. Sometimes we can still be consumed with thinking about the challenges that we're experiencing, perhaps the challenges at home or 
nagging relational struggles or the loss of a loved one or a a health challenge that just won't go away. Changing your location isn't going to make you experience rest. It's fun and it could perhaps distract us for a while. But the truth is we go to all kinds of extents to try to bring rest to our hearts. And yet it still eludes us so often. The writer of the Hebrews this morning speaks to rest in this passage, uh, but he speaks to a, a kind of rest that we can't purchase through some travel experience. He's, he speaks to the kind of rest that only God can provide. Again, we all crave that deep, deep soul-satisfying rest, and that's the kind of rest that God offers to everyone who believes. That's That's what he's doing. And what's happening here for these Hebrew people is that they're thinking that because of the the negative experiences that they're having following the name of Jesus Christ, it was a whole lot easier when they were just Jewish people. Now they are born-again Jews and, and there's persecution that's coming because of the name of Jesus Christ. And they're thinking about, you know, my life wasn't so bad back when I didn't have this persecution. They were thinking about abandoning Christ And he's saying to them, if you abandon Christ, you're abandoning your rest. And so one of the ways that he seeks to motivate the people of God to not abandon the rest that Christ provides is by issuing forth in great love these warnings that we just heard. I mean, there's there's a number of warnings in this passage. And it's the way that God helps us persevere to the end by the use of these kinds of warnings. See, he knows, the writer of the Hebrews knows that the evidence that we belong to Christ is that we will persevere to the end. We will continue on. We will hold fast to Christ. We will persevere in the faith regardless of the challenges that come to us. And these dear people... These dear people, they needed to be challenged. They needed to be exhorted not to depart from the true rest that only Christ can offer because they were, they were thinking about it. They were thinking about abandoning ship. And he said, no, no, no. For you to jump ship now would be to abandon your rest. And, and so these dear people, they needed to hear it. And you know what? These dear people, including myself, we need this this morning as well. See, those that God saves, He keeps. He doesn't lose any one of us who are in His family. Those whom God saves, He keeps. And part of the way that He keeps us is by these exhortations. He keeps us by these warnings. So what we're going to do is just walk through the text here and see how that is true. If I were to summarize uh, the main point of this, this whole entire passage, the key theme, it's this. Those who enter God's rest pay careful attention to his word and respond with faith and obedience. Those who enter God's rest pay careful attention to his word and respond with faith. And obedience. Now, I want you to, you know, look at that sentence on the screen. It makes a claim, right? It makes a claim. Those who enter God's rest, there's something that those who enter God's rest 
will do. They pay careful attention to His Word and respond with faith and obedience. This is the call of the Christian. This is what God intends for His people. This is how He intends that we live. So, how do we see that in this passage? First of all, we see point number one. We listen to His voice with obedient, soft hearts. I'm using the word soft there not as like weak. I mean soft in comparison to a hardened heart. In verse 7, the author just begins right away by reminding us of who it is that's speaking. When, when the Word of God is being spoken, God is speaking and He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. So he begins by saying, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and then the next few verses are taken directly from Psalm 95. It's a Psalm of David. And he, he says clearly today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Alongside of this theme of rest is the author is grabbing our attention again and again to consider whose voice we're listening to. So let me ask you this question. When you have a little bit of spare time, whose voice do you like to listen to? I mean, do you, do you turn on your favorite podcast? Do you go to your favorite newscaster? Do you uh, hear your, your favorite pundit? Whose voice do you really like to attend to? Well, God's people back in Israel, they were, they were not attentive to His voice. Let me read it again. What, what happened to them? Today, if you hear His voice, verse 8, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. So he's, he's going back in history he's saying, Remember the generation that God led out of Exodus. Those people, God led them through Moses. He gave them, in a sense, a type of redeemer. Moses is a foreshadowing, in that sense, of the Jesus that would eventually come. But he is giving them a redeemer to lead them out of slavery and into the promised rest of God. But but that generation didn't land in the promised rest of God because they didn't believe God. They were around the works of God and they saw the works of God. In fact, for 40 years, they saw the works of God and yet they didn't believe. Because look, look what it says. It's, a, it's an amazing indictment in verse 10 when he says, Therefore, I was provoked with that generation. They always go astray in their heart. And listen to a summary about the people of Israel at that time. They have not known my ways. For 40 years, they saw the work of God. And God concluded that they have not known my ways. They didn't intimately know Him. They didn't didn't believe in a a faith-giving kind of way. They weren't united to Him with faith. Now, Now, what does that mean for us? Except that we can be near to God. We can see the works of God. We can see that His His power is actually present. And yet we can be not united to God by faith. That's what's true here. That's what's true of the Israelites. It's what's true of our hearts. The Israelites are no different from us. They weren't worse people. They just didn't see and they didn't respond and be united in faith 
I mean, we see this in the Gospels too, don't we? Like people saw Jesus walk on the water. People saw Jesus make the, the lame to walk and the blind to see. They experienced, in that sense, the power of God. They saw His works, and yet they didn't believe. And so, is that not true for us today too? This is where this warning comes into us. Let us beware, lest we observe the power of God to change people's hearts, to do amazing things, and yet in our own hearts still not believe. I don't want it to be said of me that I've been near to the works of God, that I've seen the works of God for 40 years, and yet I've not known His ways. Do you see the warning He's offering here? It's like, don't be like the Israelites. They saw God's works, and yet they didn't believe. And how, how do we test these things? How do we, how do we test our hearts together? It's, it's a reasonable question. He says in verse 12, look there with me. He says, verse 12, Take care, brothers, lest there be in you, any of you, an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Now, I want to take pause here for a moment. How do we reconcile this? Because he calls them brothers, take care brothers, which sounds like he's calling them brothers in the faith. Yet, yet he says that they could fall away. I thought the scriptures teach that Christ doesn't lose any who are given to him in salvation. So how do we reconcile this seeming contradiction? Well, it is true that Christ doesn't lose any that the Father gives to him in salvation. Let me, let me quote one of many places. This is Jesus speaking in John, John 6. He says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Christ doesn't lose any who come to him. So, those who are truly in Christ are always in Christ. Um, but how do we determine who it is that are in Christ. Ultimately, it, it goes down to this. It's those who endure to the end, claiming Christ, who are proven to be, be the true brothers and sisters of Christ. In other words, the evidence that we belong to Christ is that we hold fast to Christ. Perhaps there are people in your history that, that used to go to church with you. Perhaps there are people that you know that were once in maybe even pastoral positions, positions of authority in the church that, that no longer are walking with God at all. You know, there, there's a person that's come into my mind who I had a, a personal friendship with. He was a pastor in a church, and, and I, I deeply appreciated him. And he, he appeared to me uh, to be a true brother in the church. He, was, he preached powerful sermons. He, he appeared to me like, like a man of God. And yet if I look at his Twitter account or his Instagram today, I, I have no idea who this man is anymore. No idea. Because all that he claimed to be true just a few short years ago, he is now claiming the opposite of those things. Now I pray for him because uh, until his dying breath, the Lord, the Lord could bring him uh, back in a certain way. I mean, God's, God can do anything. But, but let me say this. If to his dying breath... He continues to proclaim the untruth that he is presently proclaiming. Apparently, 
it doesn't appear like he was a brother at all. See, those who God calls to himself, those whom God the Father has given to the Son, the Son will never lose one of them. And he, that's what he's saying here. Take care. One of the ways that, that we are taken care of is by being preserved by God. And one of the ways that God preserves us is by taking care of our hearts. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. See, sin has this way of entering into our hearts. And if we're not careful to continue to walk in the path of the Lord then there's this hardness that develops and God says, God gives us these warnings for a very direct and very real purpose. See, He desires us to hold fast to Christ, to not give sin even the smallest amount of room. Not, Not a little bit of room. Not the teeniest amount of room. Why? Because it's so deceptive. Let's read on. But exhort one another, here's where we come into this, but exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So, so let me say, church, this is our job description this morning. Part of the way that God's people are carried along and preserved in our faith is that we come alongside of one another and exhort one another in the Lord. In other words, that is, that is our job as the body of Christ to, to come alongside of one another and exhort one another. Now, what does it mean to exhort? It means to literally put courage into one another. It's a, it's a, a form of encouragement, like strong encouragement. So if you see a brother or sister, somebody that you know and, and love, and, and you see that that there may be, you're not certain, but there may be an area of their life where they, they may be yielding to sin, then it's, it's right and true as a brother or sister to come alongside of you, them and say, hey, brother, sister, is this, is what I'm seeing, is, is that actually what's happening? Is, am I understanding things right? And if they say, yep, you're understanding things right, then to come alongside of them and exhort them, don't let sin go another day because it is deceitful. And it hardens our hearts. That's what he's saying. Remember, we, we want to, today, if you hear his voice, respond to his voice by not hardening your heart. Because sin is at its very core. It is deception. It promises good and yields bad. It never delivers on its promise. And in the body of Christ... Again, this is our call, to come alongside and to encourage one another, to strengthen one another. I love how Chris did that a few minutes ago, uh, encouraging those who are serving here on the, on the stage and those in the back who are helping all these things to, to happen. We are a church of encouragement. And there are times where our encouragement is, is particularly strong. If we see a brother or sister flagging in their faith, we want to come alongside of them and encourage them because... Of the deceitful nature of sin itself. Verse 14. For we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Do you see? 
Those who are in Christ will persevere, and those who are in Christ will persevere because of God's work in the church to exhort one another. When we hear His voice to respond to the Word of God and say, let sin have no part of my heart. Take captive areas of your life where where there is sin because here's the thing with sin. We think we can play with it. We think we can, ah, I could stop doing this at any time. Really? Then stop right now, right? This is where our hearts go. Like, I'm just dabbling. This is, this is nothing. This is so small. Like, look what all those people are doing. This is so small. I could stop today. Okay, then do it. Because sin is deceptive. And it carries you away from Christ. It carries my heart away from Christ. For if we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence to the end. As it is said today, dear friends, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as he did in the rebellion. See, responding to God's voice is preemptive. It's, it's, it's preventative toward the care of our souls. That's what he's saying. That's why... That's why he's saying this three times. I don't know if you noticed that as well. And like, look in verse 7, and then again in verse 15, and then in chapter 4 in verse 7. He says it three times. Why does he say it three times? Well, it's because sometimes we can hear God's voice, like those people in the Egyptian wilderness. Sometimes we can hear God's voice, and we harden our hearts to his voice. And say, you know what, that, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. Whenever we hear God's voice through his word, his word is his voice. Whenever we hear God's voice, our posture should never be, I've heard that before, I'm good, I'm good. No, our posture should be, Lord, you're speaking to me. And I know that I'm not complete yet. I know that you're, you're still refining me and you're still shaping me. So, so, Lord, help me to hear your voice for whatever way you want to speak to me today. Lord, I, I give you my life. My life is yours. So, Lord, speak to me today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Verse 16, he says, For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? For was it not all those who left Egypt by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose body fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? Listen, but to those who were, excuse me, but to those who were disobedient. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Do you see what he's doing? He's linking those two things. Because the people at that time, they were not united by faith. They didn't believe in God. That's that's the core of this thing, unbelief. And because they didn't believe that God was good in in giving them laws and commands, the, the fruit of that core of unbelief resulted in disobedience, right? The core of it was that they didn't believe in God. The negative fruit was that they didn't obey God. And that's why they couldn't enter. It wasn't like, hey, they couldn't enter because they disobeyed God. Well, you know what? I disobey God all the time, but yet there is a promise 
for me to enter into the rest of God because my trust isn't in my obedience to God. My trust is in the obedience of God's Son on my behalf. Do you see that? They hadn't yet experienced the grace of the Son coming. And it was unbelief that caused them to disobey God. And so he's really going after our hearts here. He's saying, do you believe? Do you believe? When the Word of God speaks, is your heart united to it? Is there a marriage, I will say even, is there a marriage of your heart and the Word of God when it's proclaimed, it's like, oh, we are together. I believe this Word. The people of Israel, they fell. They weren't able to enter into God's promised rest because they didn't believe. So we see, verse 19, so we see that we, they were unable to enter because of unbelief. We listen to God's voice with a soft heart. We don't harden our hearts. Secondly, we enter God's rest by faith. Look at verses, uh, starting at verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. They were not united by faith. However, he's speaking in the present day to this band of small band of believers who are struggling, who are thinking about abandoning their faith. He was saying, hey, listen, listen. For those Israelites, that story has been told. Your story is not yet fully told. So while the promise of entering into God's rest still stands, beware, take note. Those wilderness wanderers, they, they didn't receive the good news and trust in the good news. What, what had they heard? They heard the, God's promise of deliverance from captivity and enslavement and to enter the rest in the promised land. But their hearts didn't believe. That message of deliverance didn't benefit them because it wasn't united by faith. Think, think about now. Think about you and I today, right now, here. We have a promise of deliverance from captivity and enslavement. Not from an Egyptian master, but the captivity and enslavement from sin. For all time, we can be freed from that captivity and the judgment that God pours out on those who refuse His offer of forgiveness. The good news this morning is that God, in great love, sent Christ to free us from captivity. He came as a man to to live and, and ultimately to die, substituting Himself in that place where I deserved. I deserve a cross. Let's be honest. I deserve hell. God came in Jesus Christ. And in the miracle of miracles, He substituted Himself for me and for you, for all who will ever believe. This is amazing substitution. Because now, now I have confidence in my future. The best, in fact, is yet to come. And this is the truth that he's declaring for them. Don't turn your back on Christ. He's freed you from captivity. Don't turn your back on him. 
Stay close to Him. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. He's saying, don't, don't just be light and hate. You know what? I prayed some random prayer back when I was five years old. I'm not saying that those prayers couldn't be genuine prayers of real faith. I believe they can be. But there should be evidence today, right now, of that prayer being real. And the evidence is that we'll be paying attention to God's voice. We'll listen when the Word of God speaks through the Holy Spirit. When there's sin in our life, we're going to be fighting it. Not be like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with this. I could, I could do away with it at any time. No, we fight it with everything we've got. That is the evidence that there is faith in our hearts. And he's saying, hey, take care. Take care that there's evidence that, that God's faith is in you. Take care. Don't fail to reach this faith. Because if we don't believe it, we should not have confidence this morning. If we're not concerned about these things, then we don't have confidence this morning. This good news is truly good news because Christ offers it to us afresh today. You say, hey, there's, there's still more to come in to the people of God. There's still more that God wants to do. See, we will, we will have rest this is, this is, this is sweet. I, I want to read this, um, verse three. For we who have believed what, what, what's true of us, we have entered that rest. As he said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works, God's, were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. What do we know from the account of creation? Genesis 1 and 2. We were just reviewing this with the youth this week. We know from the, the creation account that in seven, six days God made the heavens and the earth. All the, all the creation was made in that time. And on the seventh day, God rested from his labors. And that's what he's saying here. On the seventh day, God's work was complete. It was, it was done. He rested from His works. Now, that doesn't mean that God somehow is inactive. No, he, he's, he's not been inactive for His good and glorious activity of sovereignly walking, watching over all things, His providential care in our lives. He's still acting. But, but this is all a part of His rest. It's not work. This is God's rest. He can do all these things, all this activity, and still be at rest. And he's inviting us. It's very interesting what, what the author is saying. is like when you enter into faith in Jesus Christ, do you know what you're entering into? You are entering into rest. The striving of your heart. Like, I wonder what my life is going to be like when I die. When, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have entered into God's rest. Now, it's not final because it won't be final until we're with Him in glory. But the rest that God has for our souls is very real. He's saying, as we enter into the truth of God, of Jesus Christ, we are entering into the rest of God. And again, who of us does not desire that kind of rest 
arrest that, that is so true and it will be marked by a heart of obedience in our hearts for the Lord. It will be marked by a, a lack of a anxious striving. Instead, it will be marked by a joy and a rest in the Lord Christ. God intends... Here's, here's what I want to say to you. This is, a, this is a serious passage, but God intends that you experience His rest even today. The things that keep you up at night, He intends that you experience rest. We, we still have things that are, that are really hard. We, we want and seek rest in the Lord, right? He is our solace. He is our comfort. When things are happening in the, in the world around us, even in our own hearts, and we just don't understand What's going on? Where do we find rest? We rest in the sovereign goodness of the Lord. And so while we rest, even now today, I, I want to remind you of the deep and abiding rest that comes to everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. It looks like this. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. No more Think about this with me. No more sorrows in that ultimate rest to come when we are finally and freely with the Lord in glory. What, what's coming? Let this motivate and encourage you in your, in your challenges today. No more sorrows, dear friends. No more fears. No more anxiety. No more doctors. No more prescription medications. No more sleepless nights. No more relational strife. No more unfulfilled dreams. No more deep longing of our heart for something that just always seems to be just outside of our reach. No, we will be finally and fully satisfied. Because Christ will be with us. And we'll be with Him. And we'll be His kids and we'll be there together in glory with Christ. So rest is coming. Hold on. Hold on. Rest is coming. And it's going to be glorious. And it will be full and free. We will have no longing for anything else. I can't wait. And even now, even now, God wants us to experience that kind of rest. It won't be now like it will be then, but He wants us to experience it now. And how do we, how do we experience that? Finally, thirdly, we respond with belief to the Word of God. Look at what He says here. Let us, therefore, strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Again, He's, he's saying that there is a striving that's right there is a striving that's not anxious, but eager. There's a striving that's not trying to earn God's favor, but a striving that is resting in God's favor. That's the kind of striving he's talking about. Let's strive together as a church body to enter that rest. Let's, let's not anxiously toil, but peacefully work at entering the rest of God. How do we do that? It's by listening to the Word of God. Look at verses 12 and 13 as we conclude here. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, 
and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature, hear this, no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. See, the Word of God, the Word of God is not just some collection of ancient writings recording some historical facts for us. Oh, like, oh, that's that's just interesting. Egypt, oh, Pharaoh, oh, oh, that's cool. No, it's not just some collection of stories. It's not just a narrative. It is the active, living, breathing Word of God. It is, in, in that sense, the breath of God. As you read the Word of God, it speaks. And that's why he continues to say, today, if you hear his voice, Don't harden your heart because His voice leads to life. It pierces to the places where nobody else can go. To the very depth of our core. The very center of our being. That's where the Word of God speaks. It divides truth from error. It speaks the truth. And it divides our hearts. And it helps us attend to God like nothing else. Dear friends... What else this morning, I ask you, is worthy of our time and attention? What else should we be listening to? Do you really need that podcast? No, you really don't. It may be helpful, but you really don't need the podcast. You really don't need the sports section. You really don't need any of these other things. What we need to pay attention to is God's voice. Because when He speaks, do you know what it's going to do? It's going to lead us everywhere good. When His Spirit convicts us of sin, it's because He wants us to be sure of our eternal rest and not to allow the deceptive nature of sin to harden our hearts. And so I I just, as we bring this to a conclusion now, I, I just want to invite you afresh this morning to declare to God, if you can in your heart, Lord, I love Your Word. Lord, I want to listen to Your voice. I want to obey Your Word because You've changed my heart. You've enabled me by faith in Jesus to enter now into the rest that He has given to me, even as I cannot wait until that final day of ultimate rest when we will forever be with the Lord. You see, He's he's inviting us to enter that rest now by believing with faith in the Word of the Lord. Yesterday I was at the office uh, working on this and um, (laughs) this just struck me this morning as I was thinking about it. Um, On Friday night um, we had a wonderful dinner with my mom and dad and Jewel and I came back after dinner and um, do you know, married, I guess those who are married, I just speak to you for a second. Do you know what it's like when you're, you know, you say one thing and what the other person hears is like, what? How did you get that? And then when they speak, they think one thing, and I hear like, huh? That's kind of how our night went on Friday night. Julie and I, we, we, you know, we just were off. Nobody did anything like wrong. We weren't sinning against each other. But you know what I mean? It's like, man, we are not, we are not on. We are definitely off. And, you know, I worked late into the night and she went off to bed and I was like, oh, I don't like this. Nobody said anything wrong to each other, but we were just, you know what I mean, off, right? We were just totally missing each other. Well, the next morning, uh, you know, the snow came and it was beautiful. I went to the office 
and was working and I, my soul was not at rest. You know that like when there's strife and, and, and I, just, I just closed my books and closed my computer and drove home that morning and I said, Jules, like, can we just talk? And she's like, yes, let's talk. And um, it was glorious when there was rest again in our relationship. It's just a simple analogy. When we're not at rest with the Lord, when, there's, when we're walking away from Him in sin, maybe coddling some sin, there's not, re- there's not going to be rest in your walk with the Lord. This is an invitation this morning to guard our hearts together that we might experience yet again the rest of the Lord. He wants us to enjoy this relationship with Him. He wants us to be looking forward to the ultimate rest, absolutely. But, but He wants us to enjoy the rest now. And the way that we do that is by listening to His voice with soft hearts, by entering God's rest by faith, and by responding with belief in the living Word of God. It's active. It speaks. So tomorrow, maybe even this afternoon, when you, when you have some time just to be with the Lord and you open His Word, you know, may we together as a, as a people say, Lord, I know that this Word is living. I, I believe what Hebrews 4.12 tells me. Lord, Lord, speak to me. Open my heart to You. And open Your Word in such a way that, that when You speak, I'm going to respond not with some hardness of heart, but I'm going to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I want your way. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to obey your word. I don't want to fall in unbelief. I want to obey you. That's what I think this message is about. Hearing the voice of God through his word and responding with faith. The evidence, let me call the team out onto the stage now to join me. The evidence that we belong to Christ, hear this, is that, that we stay close to Christ. That, in fact, God keeps us close to Christ. We sing that song so often, He, he will hold us fast. We're not going to sing that today, but, but we sing that song because it delights us with this glorious truth that even though God calls us to hold fast to Him, when, when we actually do that, Who's the one that's enabling us to hold fast? It is God Himself who is helping us to hold fast to God. And so He's the one who holds us fast. Those God saves, dear friends, He keeps. He doesn't lose one of us. And He keeps us by helping us to pay careful attention that when we hear His voice, we don't harden our hearts, but we open ourselves up to Him and say, Lord, Where you want to work, that's where I want you to do your work. God has prepared rest for everyone who trusts in Him. Have you trusted in Him? Do you believe? That Jesus Christ died for you. Have you entered the rest of God by faith? So many of you have. And now, church body, let us enjoy the rest that God has provided.
by believing in his word, by responding to his voice, by walking in faith as we cling fast to Christ. Would you stand with me as we pray and prepare our hearts to sing this final song? Today, Lord, if we hear your voice as we hear your word, Lord, help us to not harden our hearts. But we pray that you would shape our hearts according to the word of God. Lord, if we're honest, every single one of us has places in our hearts where you you just want to do some work. And Lord, sometimes we just resist. And we pray together now, Lord, that you would help us to not resist you. But let your word speak to us. And even now, Lord, we just... We give you those areas of our hearts where we struggle with temptation and and sin. We just pray, Lord, fill us with your spirit afresh and enable us to walk, walk by that spirit. And in so doing, bring honor and glory to your name. Lord, that's what we want. We want to glorify you. We want all things to reflect you. We want all glory to go to Christ. And so, Lord, as we close, now we say, oh, God, help us in all things. As we listen and respond to your word, help us to glory in Christ. That he would receive the attention and the worship and the praise that he alone is due. We pray this together in Jesus' name. And all God's people said together, amen. Amen.